Either she homeless or she got problems. That's the only reason why she run to a black man. I like him already. Now you wanna get nuts? Come on! Producer, director, writer, he is the ultimate filmmaker and bona fide foodie. You're listening to The Quintus Factor with Michael J. Arbouet. Greetings, shalom, and hello, and welcome to another episode of The Quintus Factor. I am your host, Michael J. Arbouet. But what does that word quintus mean? Adriana. Give them the definition. Quiditas, Latin, the whatness of a thing, the essential nature of something, the quality that makes a thing what it is. Quiditas, yes, the whatness or essence of a thing or person. And in today's episode, we'll be interviewing Tara Westwood. She's been seen in such projects as The Grudge, Blackjack, The Jack Grind Story, The Honeymoon Phase, as well as other shows like Law & Order, SUV, uh, Bull, Blue Bloods, and The Good Wife. And her quiditas, her power is so unique that um, I think we should just talk to her and see what it is. So, without further ado, Tara, welcome to the show. How are you doing? How are you? So, I always start off with this first question. Um, did you always want to be an actress? Like, Tell me about young Tara Westwood. You know, when I was really young... I wanted to be Jacques Cousteau <laughs> and then I wanted to be a vet and then I realized I was allergic to too many animals and then I wanted to be a psychotherapist or a social worker or someone that worked with kids and my dad sat me down and said kiddo you're going to want to bring I know you're such an empath and you have so much love in your heart you're going to want to bring every single kid home with you and you can't do that so I'm, I'm trying to talk you out of that and uh you know I think deep down I always wanted to act but it just I didn't know any actors I didn't grow up in you know yes I was in in you know in little plays when I was in grade one and things like that you know I played Lady Macbeth when I got older but I was in school I mean what kind of Lady Macbeth can a 15 year old be but I didn't actually think that it was something that I could pursue until I was until I was older I'd, I'd actually finished school went to Europe to be a model which is like a lifetime ago um, a very long time ago. And then when I moved to New York, I went to acting school at the William Esper studio. And then afterwards the Maggie Flanagan and I, and I was bit, I was bit. I knew that I had to do it forever then. Uh, excellent. So tell me about, um, your first acting job. How did that, like, what was that first job like? Oh my gosh, I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> my first audition, actually, I was still in school. I hadn't finished school yet. And I, my first audition ever for a feature, I got the part and I went and I did it. And it, um, it was with a, you know, a decent cast and a, a fun little script. And I just, I, I, you know, I mean, I didn't suck. I just, it definitely is not my best work. I left there and then said to my then agent, no more auditions. I want to finish school. I just want to get, I just want to get more under my belt. And, but it was interesting. It was little things like continuity. We didn't really, I mean, I'm sure there was a script supervisor on set and the person's going to hate me now but it was things like things that I had never been taught in acting school because you don't get taught that kind of thing like in the first scene the director was kind enough to bring me into the editing room and he said I just want to show you I know it's your first film 
I want to show you why you're basically cut out of the scene. And I was like, oh, why? And my character smoked and I was smoking away. I didn't know a thing about continuity. Like the cigarettes got to come up at the same time every time where they got, and he was like, you're all over the place. The cigarettes long, the cigarettes short, you're putting in the ashtray, you're doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And then I remember being so devastated and calling a friend of mine and she was like, yeah, but that's not your job. The script supervisor should have told you. And I was like, what's a script supervisor? So yeah, my, that was my first job. <laughs> wow. So I have to ask, because a lot of actors, when they first start out, you know, they do like an indie project and stuff. But uh, it sounds like you already had an agent right outside of uh, um, acting schools. So how did you get an agent so quickly? You know, I didn't and I didn't. I did only because, again, I... I I was with Ford Models at the time in New York and they innovative artists had a desk at Ford Models. So they kind of, you know, they would send me out for commercials and then also this thing came up, you know, I don't know how it came up, uh, but they said, Oh, go on this audition. And then it went well. And then they closed their desk at Ford actually. And when I went to see innovative, they were completely not interested in representing me. So uh, it was short lived. <laughs> uh, so do you have an agent now or, or, or no? I do. I have an agent in Canada. I have an agent here uh, in New York, and then I have a manager as well. Okay. So I did a little research on you. I, I noticed that you uh, were born in Canada and that yes. you lived in Paris for a little while. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Well, literally went from being on a horse farm in Canada I with a little pit stop in Toronto. I lived in Toronto for a few months, which was a thing that I was grateful for because I would have gone out of my mind going from you know, farm town, uh, Manitoba to, to Paris, but it was, it was good. You know, a lot of people think that all Canadians speak French. I, I did not speak French before that. You know, we would learn it in school and kind of transfer it from one book to another, but I didn't speak it. And I remember a year after being there, I missed my family so much. Um, I had a boyfriend, we broke up very shortly thereafter, but at the time he was in Canada, well, he was actually playing hockey, of course, in hockey <laughs> in Alaska. And I remember calling my dad and saying, Pop, like, I gotta go home. I can't, I can't speak the language. I can't do this anymore. I don't wanna be away from you guys. And you know, the days were different then. People made a lot of money in that business. And he said, kiddo, what'd you make last year? And I told him, and he said, what are you possibly gonna do in your life right now that's gonna afford you that kind of money and the travel and everything? And I was like, nothing. And then uh, from that moment on, I, I just said to everyone I knew, don't speak English to me anymore. Speak only French to me, even if I'm begging you. And then I learned the language and that made a huge, huge difference. That made it, And then I actually broke up with the guy and I uh, love Paris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell me about, um, tell me about your first project. Tell me about your first big acting job. Like uh, uh, who was it with? Who was the director? What was the film? Oh gosh, my first big acting job. I mean, I define big. I did my first studio film only last year. So, I mean, that was big. Um, you know, I guess probably the first big thing I would have, that one would say that I had done was probably more television. You know, I, I did shows um, like, well, Law and Order was recently, but I did shows like Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. I did a little thing on Rescue Me. So those those things were really big in my eyes because I, I love Dennis Leary and and I, you know, I thought it was cool to be to be on that set and everyone was really nice and, and they allowed me to kind of hang out between stuff. I'm a sponge. I love to hang out on set and to learn as much as I can. So that was a really good uh, good experience. And then, you know, as far as big, 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 
I, yeah, I mean, the, I was in a movie called The Grudge last year, and that was definitely the biggest thing that I've done, you know, mm. with, the, with the cast and, and the crew and the fact that we had Sony pictures already behind us. That was, without a doubt, the biggest thing I've done. And it was interesting because I'm used to being in the indie world. I'm used to doing very small budget films where everyone's wearing multiple hats and, you know, it's a, you sometimes bring your own clothes and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was a little nervous going into it, like, how is this going to be different? And it was kind of incredible because that, in, that wonderful feeling that you have in a very small indie set that makes it so special that way was absolutely still there because our director, Nick Pesh, who is just an amazing human being and such a great director, he, you know, I feel like it all starts at the helm. And that's, that's just how he ran his set. And everyone was so kind and so nice and passionate about their work. And it was pleasantly surprising to me to see that, that it, there wasn't much of a difference in that sense. I mean, there were some huge differences that I felt on that set compared to a small indie, but, but not the ones that I was afraid of. Wow, that's, that's excellent. Yeah, I've noticed that, you know, I've worked in the indie field for a while. And I like it because it's like theater. And like, you know, when you're in theater, you kind of become like family with the people you're working with, you know, because you're, you're there every day and you're going over your lines and you're sad when it ends. So I yeah. did, I, I, I grew up in the indie world. I've only done two major features myself. And the features are scary because there's a trailer, there's, there's like all that stuff that's there and everyone's got this specific job and they're like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be over there. I mean, and so I get it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I think I, another set I learned a lot on was Cashmere Mafia because that was a recurring. So I got to spend a little more time there. And, and one of the producers, Michael Pressman, who also directed me, was just, he, you know, he understood when I say that I was like a sponge. He, he encouraged that kind of um, behavior. And, and that was a set also that I learned a lot on because Lucy Liu is just a fierce woman. She's a great actress. She was a producer. You know, I didn't realize at the time, which is not good. I you know actors should know their stuff when they go on set i i didn't realize she was a producer on the set too and and uh we had finished filming our last day it was i think my third episode and she came up to me and she said i just want you to know tara i've loved working with you and i'm i'm going to speak to them about bringing you back and i said oh wow you know your mouth to god's ears thank you so much i hope that they go for it and we walked away and the pa said to me you don't know who she is do you and i was like uh yeah, that's Lucy Liu. And he's like, no, she's the producer. That means that you're coming back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then the show got canceled. There was the writer's strike and then the show got canceled. But it was, uh, oh, wow. that was a learning experience also to know who's who on set. <laughs> I mean, I knew she was the actress. I didn't realize she was the producer. Wow. Here's another question I like to ask. What is something that people seem to misunderstand about you? You know, I mean, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but I guess because because of the fact, I mean, I feel the same way actually about a lot of people I know. There's something about being an ex-model that just associates that person with being, you know, stupid. <laughs> they can't be that intelligent if they were in that industry. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh my gosh, you're actually really smart. And I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. And the reality is I have the same myopic view about people in the industry, so I'm not gonna judge that. Um, I guess I guess that's, that's one, Thing that I would say people think about me and then people my people that don't know me that well can be surprised by how um, I can be really strong because I'm a very emotional person and 
like in my work, I can get emotional, but I'm a mama. I was a single mama. You know, my kids are, are old and grown, but I am a mama bear and I am a tough, I'm a tough uh, Canuck inside. So I guess sometimes <laughs> <laughs> my New Yorker can come out and people are surprised by that because I'm also really nice. <laughs> wow. Tell me, um, what's the one thing that acting did for you that you didn't expect? Make me uh, have no money. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, like that I wasn't expecting. And listen, the reality is every day, this sounds so dramatic, but every day, I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I hope I don't want to be an actor anymore. And then every day I want to do it more. Like I, I, I joke that I'd like want to hurl myself off the GW bridge if I couldn't do this. And I'm kind of joking, but I love what I do so much. Um, I just don't know that I understood how tough it can be. You know, I, when someone now says to me, Oh, I want to be an actor. I'm like, no, 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 no. When there was a second when I thought my son was going that way, I was like, dear, dear Lord, please no. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good profession to get into. And I can't lie about that because I just kind of don't have a filter. I think, I think this profession sucks, but if you have to do it like I do it, like I have to do it, then, then do it. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that terrible of me to say? So that brings me to my next question. How do you juggle being a mom and an actress and, and, you know, raising a family? Well, I mean, my priority in life has always been my kids since I had them. And then there's a huge gap. And then, well, I mean, the rest of my family's up there too. The immediate family. (laughs) No offense to the extended, but you know, you got to prioritize. And then there was a big gap and then there was work. And my children are old enough now that I, you know, I don't have to be home with them. One of them doesn't even live in New York anymore. He works in Dallas. My, my youngest is in university when it's not a, you know, pandemic. Um, so I, I can, I can kind of live my life differently now, which has been great. If you, you know, I had someone last year say to me, oh, I looked at your IMDb page and, you know, women your age, you hit 40 and you never work again kind of thing. Like, why are you working more now? And I mean, I've been very lucky and I hope it continues. Let me knock on some wood. But I, I think it's because I, my priorities were able to shift. You know, when my little guy was really young, I went in for an audition for a, a series recurring role in Toronto. The audition was here in New York at, at a network I won't say because they actually got so mad they wouldn't see me for years and then they thank goodness started seeing me again. But they it was for a series recurring and I thought, okay, I can it's Toronto. I can fly. It's such a short flight. Worst case scenario, I could even drive. Like I can go back and forth. And then it came down to signing contracts and it was me or one other person. And uh it was being filmed the next week. And when I went to sign the contract, it said series regular. And I was like, wait, what? And I called my then manager and I said, no, there's, this is wrong. It says series regular. And he said, no, it's a series regular. And I was like, uh, I can't, I can't move to Toronto. And he said, no, 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 you totally can. This is the best thing for your career. And I was like, how, how did you not tell me that it got bumped up? And he said, because I knew that you do it and it just happened. And I, and blah, blah, blah. we'd had a communication issue where we couldn't connect and, and I couldn't do it. You know, I called my ex-husband and I said, uh, how do you feel about me moving the kids to Canada? And he was like, no. How do you feel about me taking them to Idaho? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, to, I had to pass on the job. And that was, a, you know, that was crushing because that was a game changer. I, I won't mention the, the show, but it, 
went, it ran, it filmed in Canada, but was on a big network here in the States for many, many years. And uh, it would have been a game changer, but the reality is my kids are my world. So now I'm able to, you know, hopefully work will come my way. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You're saying your kids, my, my kids are 16 and 11. So when you said your kids are in college, I'm like, what, what are you, 32? How can you have kids so old? <laughs> you look fantastic, by the way. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. When I shot Law and Order, Mariska Hargana, who's so kind, we were talking in between things and she said, wait, 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 wait. this was just last year. My, so my kids were 19 and 23 and she said, wait, wait, what, what did you just say? And I said, 19 and 23. And she said, months. And then everyone laughed and, and she said, no, really, I, I don't like, I, I just actually don't understand. And I said, well, you know, and this is terrible but I made the same joke that I'd been making for 23 years. I said, well, you know, baby's having baby. I said, someone went to jail and I laughed. And then she kind of laughed and then she grabbed my hand and said, wait, are you, are, are you serious? Have you spoken? I have a rape foundation. Have you spoken to someone? And I was like, oh, I just made a really inappropriate joke on Law & Order SVU. Um, so I had to explain that it was a stupid joke I'd made that I was just very young when I had kids. <laughs> The writer came up to me. She's like, everyone makes inappropriate jokes. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's so funny. So it's, um, I ask this question a lot of the actresses I talk to because uh, I used to live in California and I hated it. And so I uh -huh. moved back to New York. I like the New York scene better. But what yeah. I started to notice among actresses, you know, when we talk about the casting couch and, and all that stuff, how do you deal with uh, some of the inappropriate things that are, that are going on, like with the Me Too movement, how do you deal with people like that in the industry? Uh, yeah, I mean, we all have our stories. I've got stories. Uh, I've dealt with it. You know, I've, I mean, I've, I've had very blatant offers of you do this, you'll get that. And I was like, what? No, I'm not doing that. Wait for, for that? No, and you know, listen, I'm not gonna lie. There's, there was a moment of like, oh my gosh, that's a big thing that I'd get. <laughs> but the answer was no. And then it was very interesting when I saw who got it. And I was like, oh, wow, I know what you did last summer. You know, it, was like, it was a little bit of that thought. And then there's a lot more discreet things that are said and done, for sure. I, uh, I had someone when the Me Too movement kind of uh, first erupted and and someone that I'd worked with in the past gave me a call and said, Hey, I'm coming in from California. Can, can we meet for a tea or whatever? And I was like, sure. And they were like, so have you ever experienced something like that on a set? And they knew, like they knew that I had experienced something like that on a set. And I just, well, I'm not going to swear. I just said, listen, don't BS me here. We both know that I have. So if you have something you want to ask me, <laughs> you can ask me if I'm going to sit or, you know, just be straight with me kind of thing. But I have always dealt with that. Uh, I've dealt with it in the moment. I'm, I don't know where, you know, that's kind of the thing that when you ask me what surprises people about me, it's probably that it's that kind of strength because, you know, I'm like, Ooh, crying all the time and mushy, mushy, nice Canadian girl. But in those moments, you know, I don't know the, the tomboy in me has, has uh, stopped things from going forward gratefully. And I'm, okay. I'm not saying now I feel terrible saying that actually, because, I feel terrible saying that. And I, I guess I should be grateful that it was never a forced situation like other women have experienced. So I know people where it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a moment of them being able to decide, you know, or say to someone, don't touch me or do not say that to me. You know, there have been 
considerably way worse things that have happened to other people. And I suppose I should just be happy that that wasn't me. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell me a funny story that happened on set. Something that, you know, would just unbelievable, but just funny. <laughs> I mean, how inappropriate can I go? I don't know. You can be very inappropriate. <laughs> 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 this is this is a podcast so people love to listen to stories and, and they get into it <laughs> okay well i mean it kind of goes back to two things that we already spoke about dennis leary and you know this conversation probably couldn't happen now because it would be so sensitive it was it was way before he would he's gonna he would kill me and I, by the way i don't know him we're not friends i just worked with him a couple times but the, before the this was before the me too movement and i'm sure that this conversation would even have to be different but he was so so respectful and so kind to me when i did sex drugs and rock and roll it was a scene where i was in the scene there were a few scenes but with him and his wife elaine Hendricks. and in the the whole purpose of my being there was that they were getting a little bored in their marriage and she was curious about women and maybe we should all have a threesome. So that was the plan. And then of course it's Dennis Leary. So it's going to be funny. So, you know, she and I are kissing and we're messing around or doing whatever. And then he comes to the side of the bed. Oh my gosh. I feel this is, I wish I could, I wish I could go back and, and not tell the story, but he, <laughs> he, um, he, uh, Oh my gosh, this is such an inappropriate story. All right, he ejaculates on my hair, which obviously doesn't really happen, but he does. But mm -hmm. the point is that I'm supposed to sit up and say, you, you, what, you, what was it, like five seconds? You came in my hair. And, and in order for us to do that scene, when my character sat up, you had to see something kind of shiny in my hair. So he would come over because he was also one of the producers and when I think one of the writers too. And he'd be like, yeah, Tara, ah. And there were, you know, Elaine was there. Other people were there. Hair and makeup's there because they're dealing with it. And he's like, this is a really uncomfortable thing and I want to be respectful, but um, we have to do a little, uh, little uh, come test on your hair. And uh, we just have to do that because we got to see if the camera picks it up. <laughs> and the first time he said it, I actually didn't hear what he said. And I said, I'm sorry, a what? And then everyone kind of went quiet and looked at each other and nobody wanted him to have to say it again. And I'm like, guys, like, I'm sorry. I actually didn't hear you. And then he was forced to say it again. I was like, Oh my gosh. And then my like, Oh my gosh came out. So that was a, just a funny moment. Cause already he felt so uncomfortable and you know, the hair person was so uncomfortable and we were all so uncomfortable, but we couldn't think of another word. We're like, there, get a thesaurus out there's got to be another word for that, but we couldn't think of what it was <laughs> that's hilarious oh my god yeah, well, there was a time i was on the set well you know when they close the set but you have to be you know certain people have to be on the set when they're doing like a love scene and stuff and i remember i was laughing because there's one particular actor he goes to the actress and he goes um they're wearing like these he, they're, they're both wearing like these spandex things so they're, they're not like yeah, yeah. Naked on, in the bed but he goes um if you feel anything, I'm sorry. And if you don't feel anything, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was exactly. hilarious. And you know, you're on a close set, you're trying to be professional, but I'm trying not to laugh out loud and I'm behind the camera. Just, I thought that was hilarious. You know, when my, when my kids were younger, I had, um, I had screen tested in Los Angeles for this show and it came down it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was between me and a few other people and we went there and, and I got the, I cut the contracts and it said full frontal. And I was like, 
full frontal. That's not happening. That's just not happening. I called my then manager, a different manager than the first one I mentioned. And I said, yeah, well, what? I'm not signing something that says full frontal. And he was like, kid, they're never going to want to show you full frontal. There might they okay again i can say anything right yeah I can say anything. he's like they might show you tits in the side of your ass but they're never going to show a full, full frontal and i was like well then get the words changed because i don't like the verbiage like if i sign something that says full frontal and i get the part through the series and it's on cinemax which already had me a little scared or showtime it was one of the ones where like i knew they pushed the limits i was like i'm i then get the words changed full frontal so my son heard me on that phone call and uh you know new york living small apartment and i got off the phone and he was like mama <laughs> i was like yeah and he said wait are you gonna be showing your boobies on that tv show if you get it and i was like oh gosh so i sat down both my boys and i was like guys here's the deal you know mommy's going to la next week and and if i get it it's a big deal it would be this big showtime show and and uh you know, it would, it would be a big deal for mommy's career. She'd be a serious regular. Blah, blah, blah. And, and they said, and Jackson said, yeah, but no, 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 wait, you said you'd be showing your boobies. And I said, and, and I might be showing my boobies, but here's the thing. They're not good. So I think if someone's boobies are shown in the show, it's probably, they probably won't be mine anyway. They'd be someone else's and they would just pretend that they were mine. And I said, <laughs> and, I said and he was like, oh, I'm going to be so teased at school and everything. And I said, baby, I don't think a lot of your friends, this was like at the beginning of Showtime. I said, I don't, I don't think a lot of your friends even have this channel. It's not a normal channel. And they were so upset. He was like, I don't want you people to see my mom's movie. And then they were like, wait a minute. So you'd, you'd be making a lot more money. And I said, yeah. And they said, wait, could we move into a bigger apartment? And I said, if I got the show, yeah, we could get it. We could get another bedroom. They're like, could we get a PlayStation? And I said, yeah. And they're like, okay, then you can show your boobies. <laughs> <laughs> so basically for a one more bedroom and a PlayStation, they were ready to whore me out. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have the priorities in order. That's what <laughs> That is hilarious. Oh my goodness. Um, so, um, I guess uh, you kind of answered this already because of your stories, but um, do you like working in television more than working on a film? Oh. I mean, I've never had a series regular. I would love one of those. So that would be a different thing, you know, right? right I mean, yeah. who wouldn't want that? Um, I, I mean, I, I love both. The, the film is nice if it's a good sized part because then you really get to go on a journey and then the, then it's really about character which is what I love and uh you know like I did an episode of Bull and that was really nice and and my character got to go on a ride so you can experience that in a television show but certainly a bigger part just allows usually for more of a journey which I prefer um yeah I mean I just want to work I love theater too you know I, I love theater as well and that's a whole other experience as you know so I can't say that I, I don't know. This is like Sophie's choice. I can't, don't make me pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see. Um, okay. Here's an interesting question. Tell me something that you failed at. Besides my first movie. Um, <laughs> something that I failed at. You know, my biggest fear but they both assured me that it's not true is that for like any, if there was ever a moment when my kids didn't know that they are everything and like if they didn't for half a second feel that they were loved more than anyone on the planet, then I have failed as a mother, but they told me that they did. So I'm good there. So what have I failed at? 
Oh my gosh, so much. I have failed at, you know, I, I mean, there, I, I'm, I'm coming up with jokes and I don't want to be, I don't want to be funny right now. I want to be serious. So I'm going to think <laughs> of a serious thing. I have, I have, yeah, for sure. There's been times when I've failed at parenting. There's for sure been times when I have failed with big things in my career. Like if I was better at playing the game and I don't mean that couch that you mentioned earlier, but if I was just better at like, I'm not good at networking. Like my teacher, Maggie Flanagan always says, you should be hanging out with theater people. You should be hanging out with actors. You should be surrounding yourself. And do I have friends in the business? Sure. I don't, I don't have a lot of them and I don't hang out a lot. And I don't, I don't know how to uh, live that, part of my life in a way that I think would actually benefit it. So I've definitely failed in that. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. How would you answer that question? Can I throw it back for a second? Oh, sure. I've, it's funny because uh, um, the big joke, if you look me up online, I know a lot of actors and a lot of directors and a lot of old time Hollywood people. So when people look at me up, they go, Oh my God, you're, you're doing so well. And I'm like, no, I'm just internet famous. I don't really, you know, I have a lot of friends, you know, and I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the older actresses because I don't know, I think they're more interesting, you know, so I'm like, I'm friends with Sean Young and like um, we did an indie oh, film that. a couple years ago. And um, it was just a crazy experience because I got to know her as a person and she's living in Rye, New York. And, um, on the set, you know, she was, we, we paid her a ridiculous amount of money because it was an indie film and, you know, it wasn't SAG. And, uh, but she still came on set and she just gave such great advice. And um, I was always appreciative of that. But she was like, well, you know, how come you're not working in Hollywood? Like, how come you're, you know? And I said, you know, I have a lot of friends in the industry, but when I was younger, I could have been with like Rodriguez. And, you know, there were like all those, we're all in the same boat. And instead of making a left, I made a right. And, you know, sometimes, like, it took me a long time to, to realize that I didn't have to make it when they made it. But um, it, it, it's bothered me for years, you know. So it was like, um, I felt like I had failed because um, I got married and I took some time off. And then, like, all the people that I knew, you know, it was like, it was like 1996, they all started getting deals, you know, and it was like, uh, I said, oh my gosh, you know, I, you know, I went to school with this guy, like, why am I not <laughs> doing the same right. thing, you know? So um, that that's bothered me for a while. That's different choices. Yeah. You know, they might look at your life and go, oh, I wish I'd have had that experience or that relationship or something, you know? Do, but, uh, do you know the casting director, Sigda Miguel? No. He's, he's just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And he's cast me a bunch of times. But years ago, I took one of his classes, a one-on-one. And, uh, you know, he said to me afterwards, he said, listen, Tara, I think that you're a talented actress. It's a, it's a tough time for you now because there's not a lot of roles for women your age. But here's the good news. You've already got your kids. So when, when you hit 40, I was in my 30s at the time. He said, when you hit 40, because he was like, you know, there's, there's roles for girls in their 20s and then there's roles for much older but he was like there's like a there's a there's a barren time in between he was like when you hit 40 a lot of your the people that you work with right now that are, that are women of your age are going to want to get out because they're going to freak out that they don't have kids and you've already got your kids so you'll be able to work then don't get out stay until then and then once you get past that by the time you hit like 60 people will start dying 
and just stay with it. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I just gotta get through everyone having kids and then <laughs> and then just wait for people to get really old. Because he was like, You look younger. So by the time people by the time people your age are, you know, they're getting out of the industry or they're dying or whatever, they, they he said he, he said they'll just say that they've had enough. Like I don't think he meant literally dying, but he was like, They'll they'll have had enough, they'll get out, just stay in, stay strong. And I'm like, oh, I just have to wait for all these crazy things to happen. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about a person that touched your heart and tell me about how that person changed your life. Well, all right, I'm going to try to not cry on this one. My grandmother died yesterday and, uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, thank you. She lived in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She was 96 years old and uh, by far the longest living Westwood. We, we die young. Um, but my birth mom left my dad and my brother and I, when I was almost this is funny. I've never discussed this uh, like this at all. It's something people in my life don't even know. But she, uh, you know, she walked out and left us to the babysitters and never came back kind of thing. And then for a while, the three of us moved in with my grandmother. So I became very, very close to my grandmother, closer than most people do with a grandparent. And uh, she is someone that gave me such love in a time in my life when I was shattered. So um, I will say that Grandma Jen completely saved my little five-year-old butt and uh, yeah, taught me, taught me unconditional love. Wow. That's amazing. So what's the best compliment you've ever received? That I'm a good mama. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best compliment. Outside of acting, what are you curious about right now? Oh, well, I'm, listen, like I said about that sponge thing, I'm such a curious person. So I, I'm curious about everything. I mean, I, I'm very curious about politics, which I won't get into because <laughs> kill me now. Um, <laughs> I, I've always been fascinated by politics. I, you know, I'm Canadian, so we have a different, a different situation with that. We have a, you know, we, some, some members of my family, have teased me now I am getting the politics saying that oh well, if, if we live there maybe we'd we'd vote for this party and I and I keep saying like guys except you wouldn't because in Canada everyone has health care in Canada everyone can get married in Canada like there's no that we don't have you know we don't have the same race issues we don't have there's so many things in Canada that we, that we take for granted as Canadians and um, I am curious to see how this country is going to try to fix some major things that it, that need to be fixed. And I feel like between the pandemic and Black Lives Matter that, you know, this country has had a wake up call this year, 2020, with all of that. So I am curious to see um, what it does going forward, because there's been blips of this in the past where it's like, oh, there's going to be change. There's going to be movement in, in these areas. And then, and then nothing changes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see one year from now with everything going on in this country right now, where are we? Um, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you say? Oh gosh. I would, I would tell her that um, she's stronger than she thinks. I would tell her to just slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would tell her to slow down. I would tell her she's stronger than she thinks. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I yeah, that that's what I would tell her without getting into more details. Yeah, she's stronger than she thinks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think I should have? No, I I was just thinking actually, literally verbatim in my head. I was like, he's asking such good questions. Um, <laughs> no, I think your questions are fantastic. I. Uh, yeah, no, I've got, well, there's one thing I'm, I'm, you know, as far as what I'm working on coming up, I've got a pilot that I'm going to be shooting if all works well with um, this crazy pandemic, you know, the, who knows when things are really going to open up big things, but I've got something that I'm working on right now on uh, the producing side as well as, as being in it. It's a pilot that I'm not allowed to talk too much about, but it's going to be a very small cast, a very small crew, you know, SAG has a different contract for a cast and crew less than 10 people and not total, but on set at a given time, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it, we changed locations. So we're not filming in New York city anymore because we won't be at the right phase. We are, we're filming upstate and further away from here. So that's a project. Um, it's a pilot. It doesn't have a home yet, but I'm hoping one day it gets one. It's i uh, I'm the female lead. Richard kind is the male lead and I love him. He's just such a, he's such a great actor and such a, such a wonderful man too. And, We've got uh, Bobby Bork and we've got a couple other cast members that I'm super, super excited. We've got two other cast members that are so close to signing, so I want to talk about them too, but I can't. Um, but that's a project. You know, this has, been, this has been hard, I think, for everyone, sorry, my phone, um, to not be working during these crazy times and uh, just to have something to be working on again. You know, like I said, I if I couldn't do this business, I would just want to die. So my soul is very grateful. Oh, <laughs> very good. grateful for so it. So is this a project that you're producing as well as acting in? Yeah, they brought me in on, on that side of it as well. Um, I produced one other thing. I produced a film years ago that's on uh, Amazon called Detours. And I like it, but I I have very specific things. I'm not, I will never ask someone for a penny. So... Mm-hmm. That is not what I do. Like with Detours, for example, I got cast, I got crew, I got the soundtrack, I did the music. Um, there was a lot of stuff that I did as far as a producer would, but really gratefully, Mara Lesman, our, our producer, writer, uh, had the financial aspect of it looked after. So, you know, we all have different things that we can bring to a project. And um, I know what my limits are and what I'm not willing to ever do. So I've been lucky that the, the couple things that I've worked on everyone's been cool with that (laughs) okay oh that's great okay so last question is what does the future hold for tara westwood oh darling you tell me i don't know i hope (laughs) i hope um you know i hope that life continues staying i i'm so lucky i'm healthy you know we're months into this pandemic i'm healthy the people i i mean i obviously know people that have had covid but i my immediate family is healthy and strong. So let's hope that that continues. Let's hope that health continues um, and work. I just want to, I want to work. I love what I do. So I hope um, what, what is in store for me, I don't know, but let's just say that um, I'm going to be working with some great people doing fun projects and put that in the universe and hope like heck someone's listening. Uh, normally when it's not COVID, I read through a SAG after a program to New York City public school kids. And because the schools shut down, I started a YouTube channel called Let's All Read. So I send the books to them that I've read. And then I also decided to just place it online because there are so many parents stuck at home, going out of their minds, needing a break. And we want children to continue their love of literacy. So if anyone is listening who happens to have a young student, 
go to YouTube, search Let's All Read. And if you go to the playlist, there's long, long chapter books that I and some other friends have been reading. So you could literally just push the first video and then, and then give them a, you take a break and they watch videos for hours or people like, you know, John Leguizamo read a book for us, Nicholas Pinnock from For Life. Um, we've got Richard, Richard Kind read one. We've got some wonderful people, Abigail Hawks, some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friends, too many to mention, that have read shorter, shorter books as well. So that's something I would like to put out there. If I'm oh, able. absolutely. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. I was like, so also, uh, how can people uh, get in touch with you or look you up? Um, I, I don't know. I guess social media, Instagram. <laughs> Tara underscore Westwood, I think. I should know my handle, right? And yeah, I, I guess Instagram. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then, Unless you're a producer or a director, then call my agent, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, thank you so much. Can you take us out? My name is Tara Westwood, and you're listening to The Quidditch Factor. You've been listening to The Quidditch Factor with Michael J. Arboway. Uh, I've gotten emails from some of you asking me about what I've read or what I'm eating. And so one of the books that I've read that I want to kind of uh, tell you guys about is by the great master Stephen King and his book, The Institute. It is fantastic. I hope they make this into a movie as well. But if you're looking for something good to read, uh, that's my pick for this week, The Institute by Stephen King. Check it out. Also, um, if you get a chance, check out my website at MikeArboy.com. That's M-I-K-E-A-R-B-O-U-E-T.com. You could check out um, everything on the page about my movies, my books. Uh, you could see stuff about the podcast, uh, buy some merch, check out my shop. I have an e-store called Arbo Artifacts. Check that out, buy a t-shirt. Or you can buy jewelry from my wife at Poem Creations. Thank you for listening, and tune in for an all-new episode of The Quidditch Factor. You'll find us every Tuesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for listening to The Quidditch Factor with Michael J. Arboway. We'll catch you next time.